0: News Talk on demand. Interruption free audio where you want it, when you want it.
1: I'm Brittany Cafe. I'm here with Rick Van Dybendijk. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call and get on the line. The number is 1 332 8255. Right now, we've got Terry in Saskatoon joining us. Hi, Terry.
2: Good morning, Brittany and Rick. Thanks for taking my call. Rick, I've got bean plants in my garden that the plants are great, but I have no beans at all. Squash plant, same thing. And my cucumbers have not produced near like they have before, but my peppers and my tomatoes, my early girl tomatoes, are producing fruit like crazy. Any explanation for that that you can think of?
3: Yeah mostly mostly and it's funny that you have some then some note but mostly it's been because of what the callers have talked about earlier in the show is that there's been less bees around and yeah. uh and and i think that's just because of the dry aired weather we've been having you know yeah so i May-
2: like like i say my peppers and my early girl tomatoes yep. are producing really good in the same garden and but yep. uh, the beans nothing
3: yeah and there's some and there's some flowers that that'll attract them better and but you said squash or cucumbers weren't weren't doing as well and i've had that for the first time we put cucumbers into pots
2: rather than into the garden they we got a few but not near what we would usually get
3: yeah and there again it's just a matter of of making sure that the biggest one that we need to do and more of is doing some companion planting so planting some marigolds planting some other flowers okay. in the garden we used, to, we used to do that a lot i mean um uh but we do, don't do that as much anymore and so putting some companion plants in the garden to attract them having a, a little water bowl of some sort that that you can attract insects that will have a drink of water while they're while they're pollinating those are huge to make them so inviting to come to your yard all the time so and is so
2: it, is, it, is it too late to do that now or would it still uh, for, be
3: for beans, it'd be too late. Uh, for your cucumbers, you probably still get it. You still get it there. But what you also can do is, if you do see the flowers, is that you can be the bee, right? Yeah, you can okay, take a little right. Q-tip around and cross-pollinate back and right. forth from plant to plant and back and forth. Okay. And that that'll be the probably the quickest way sure. um, to to just be the pollinators yourself. Okay. And and if you want to get some success this year yet, because Uh, depending on the year I mean we might get the way this is going right now we might have a warm September yet so and then so you got lots of time yet. Okay thanks very much. Okay
1: thanks so much for the call Terry. All right we've got Jerry on the line now in Regina. Hi Jerry.
2: Hi good morning. What's your question? Um, Last August we planted four whispering aspen in our backyard and when we planted them, I tried to pull the root ball apart and uh, planted them as normal. Two of them have taken off and got new leaves last fall, and they've probably grown three feet this this summer. And the other two have not produced a new leaf on them and have stayed the same. So I so no... dug them up this, more, er, this spring and tried to rip the root ball apart as much as I could, and I
3: fertilized around, and still nothing. So uh,
2: they're just about a year old, and they've never
3: produced a new leaf. Yeah, no, they they probably if you planted them last fall. Yeah, August. Uh, one, I think. Yeah, last August. You said, mm-hmm. well, August is okay. I, I thought maybe you did them really late in the fall, but the, it sounds like they just something happened. A lot of times you have to be careful when you when you pull the roots apart. I like to just what what's called if you have a root ball comes out of a pot. I like to just to tickle the outer edge of the roots out. I don't like to rip the root whole root ball apart, okay? Uh, because especially when we had the, the drought we've had right now, it's just it's just too much stress in the plant, and then then you'll lose some leaves, and then those leaves will just the tree the plant will just die. it's too much stress and it'll die, okay? Okay. And so what you want to do is just like take your fingers and just tickle the outside roots. Now, the only time I want to rip a root really out big time is if I see a root that's spiraling around and around the pot. Then I, I don't want, cause that's what I call a choker root. And as the plant gets older, it'll actually just choke the whole, the whole trunk of the tree out. And it'll actually die when it gets older. So, but most most nurseries shouldn't have a, 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 that big of a spiral root on them. They'll have a fibrous roots. But I just want to tickle. Just take my fingers and just just lightly take out some of the side roots on the outer edge, so that they get in contact with the soil right away, especially in this heat. So they can actually grab the moisture from outside from from the soil around it rather than just from the root ball itself. Okay. So that's what I suggest next time is just. Don't rip the whole root ball apart. Just tickle the roots out so you get some contact with the roots to the soil uh, that you put in around the plant.
2: Okay, I was probably pretty aggressive this spring. I dug them up and and broke out that root ball as much as I could while it was still in the ground. But But they they look as healthy as can be, but just haven't started to produce any leaf yet or grow.
3: You can always scratch the bark.
2: difference in them now.
3: Yep, you can scratch the bark. Okay, if there's green underneath the bark, they'll, they can still come. But if it's brown underneath the bark, so those plants from the, from the previous winter, when you planted in August, they probably died during the wintertime. Mm-hmm. In the spring, they, if, if there's no green underneath the bark, they're not going to come back no matter what anyways. Oh, okay. Okay. okay.
1: Good, thank you. Awesome. Thanks You're so welcome. much for the call, Jerry. All right, now we have Paul in Saskatoon. Hi, Paul.
4: Hey, how's it going, you guys? Good, thanks. Very good got some rain last night which was very 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 good awesome Um, rick um i planted some uh, goji berries about four years ago i got like uh i guess about nine plants growing i i I've i've got uh berries this year about five or six and there's still some green ones on there i give them the um the tea yep and um Uh, fish fertilizer is there something else i should be giving them or
3: yeah just make sure your ph is down around seven it's that's important for the goji berry as well okay so if you've got a high ph you'll get less fruit as well okay
4: okay yeah they're heavily mulched i mulch them heavy with leaves yep you know um
3: um and 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 protect them for the winter time yes that's perfect you know
4: yeah yeah huge they're they're very they're very healthy looking plants I'm just yep. not getting uh, the fruit, and I guess maybe it takes time, right?
3: Don't forget, from a young plant, you're looking at five to seven years to get full production. Okay. Okay.
4: Yeah, I've had so, them for about four years, and like they're spreading out like crazy. You know, they're yep. like a they're like a weed. <laughs>
3: yeah, you're, you're coming in now. You've got some fruit every year from now on. You'll get more and more.
4: Oh, fantastic! So, looking okay. forward to it. Good.
1: Awesome. Thanks, thanks, thanks so much, info. Paul. Yep. All right, we have Wayne on the line in Saskatoon. Now, hi Wayne.
2: Oh, hello. Good day. I've got these yep. little white moths in my lawn and when I was pulling weeds, I found some little thing that was alive in there. I don't know what that was. Is it a grub? Yep.
3: It's sure called a sod it's called a sod webworm. And lovely. so uh they they'll, they'll make little brown patches in your lawn, okay? So what you want to use for that is use the grub grub out nematode. They, they that's a little insect you spray into your lawn. They love those oh. things, they'll just eat them up
2: and that will get rid of them.
3: Yep, because there's all the insecticides we used to use for that, like seven and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on they're all off the market now. You, there's no chemical that works on them anymore. Uh, so the best way to do it, or is two ways doing it using the, the ant out nematode. And the other one is just put some bird bass out, attract robins to your yard, especially if they can nest in your yard, and the robins will eat them like crazy as well.
2: Okay, I do have one robin that bobs around in there, so I haven't checked lately. I just, you know, realized that I should maybe call about it, but I haven't checked for those little things lately, but I definitely do have the moths still fluttering around.
3: Yeah, they'll they'll keep they'll they'll do a lot of damage. They eat a lot of the roots. So yeah, put a birdbath out there so to attract that robin to your yard more often and it'll help take okay. care of them as well. Okay, thank you, sir.
1: Awesome. Okay. Thanks for the call, Wayne. Okay, Rick, we've got a text here from Marianne from Prince Albert. I have some spaghetti squash that are a good size, but they're not ripe yet. Can I pick them and let them ripen in the house?
3: Yeah, you can, or I always find the best way to do is ripen them on the vine. It's always the best. Um, uh, especially for the taste wise, I love whenever you pick a fresh, even a fresh tomato, you, you get a tomato sometimes in the store. They're not quite as, they don't taste the same as one off yeah. the off the vine, right? So if you can ripen them on the vine, that's the most beneficial and best tasting of them all. But the times when I like to, um, to pick them, uh, to pick them off early is when it gets later in the season, I'm worried about them getting some frost or, You know, I'm worried about you know maybe the plants under stress and uh, there's there's you know the plants withered and not giving any more moisture to the to the or nutrients to the to the fruit. So then I can pick them then. But if if the plant is still healthy, I just leave them on the plant. Yeah. So
1: I've been kind of wondering that with our tomatoes because our plants, and I, I know it's a pretty common issue this year. Our plants are just not doing well. They're not producing well. They don't look great. And we do have a fair amount of tomatoes on them. Am I okay to just leave them on the vine for as long as I can or should I be yep. taking them off or?
3: The only ones you want to take off is the ones that are ripe. Kate. You know, otherwise, otherwise, just leave them on there until, until the weather announcer says we're going to have a risk of frost. <laughs> and then, you can decide, then you can decide decide either cover them with a blanket and uh, maybe get through that one or two days or you might have some cool weather. And, uh, and, and also, once you get toward the end of August and the nighttime temperatures start getting close to five degrees and that, you can actually just cover them up for the evening and, and that'll help ripen them quicker too.
1: Okay, awesome. And then Marianne was also wondering when you're bringing stuff inside the house to ripen, what type of conditions do they need? I know growing up, my mom would always have a cardboard box under a bed with tomatoes in it to ripen. I don't know what the, what the reasoning was behind that, but what do you recommend if people do have to bring stuff in the house to ripen?
3: When you have to bring it in the house there's a couple things to remember P- best is put i find the best is i've heard even the people that call in the best is putting on paper right. and making sure that the tomatoes are not touching each other or the mm-hmm. whatever fruit you are because if you have any kind of soil borne fungals or anything else and you get a blemish on one, it'll just transfer to the other very easily. So make sure that there's a little bit of airspace between each, each one that they're not touching. That's, that's key. Some people like putting them in dark places. Some people put them in light places. It all depends on how quick you want them to ripen. Uh, full sun is not good. So where the sun's beating on, bright light is good, but not f- full direct sunlight. After you've picked them, sometimes it isn't good. It'll just, uh, it, they'll, they'll, they'll do better just under bright light conditions.
1: Perfect. All right, we're going to take a quick break. If you've got a question, feel free to give us a call, 1-877-332-8255. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Divendyk, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Cafe here with Rick Van Divendyke. If you've got a question at all, feel free to give us a call. The number is one 332 8255 Over the break, Rick, you and I were just talking about the Saskatchewan Home Renovation Tax Credit. Uh, I know a lot of people are putting in new shrubs and trees. Really, they have been since spring and still continue to as we get ready to head into fall. And yeah. there are a lot of things garden and yard wise that people might not automatically think would apply for the home renovation tax credit, but actually do, right?
3: Yeah. The, the, a lot of people think it's just for doing a home renovation inside the house or, you know, building a garage or whatever, but you can actually use it for, you know, improving your fence, fixing your fence up. You can use it for putting mulch down. You can do it for with a dry year like this year. You can use it for putting irrigation in into your yard uh for shrubs trees perennials all that kind of stuff it can be used for uh even if you want to uh use it to um to hire a tree trimmer in to come and take down that that a tree that's been been an issue in your yard Uh so all those things are all part of what you can do and and it's basically uh basically uh you can is ten point five percent tax credit on top of a uh, twenty up to twenty thousand dollars so you're eligible up to a twenty one hundred dollars uh, total uh so there's lots lots of ways you can do that if you you whether you're you've got a brand new yard or you want to renovate a yard and um, add irrigation or you know all those kind of things uh put a drip system into your yard uh those you can always apply for the home tax credit so that works that was great for a lot, and a lot of people didn 't know that they, they, you could actually use that for for those type of things
1: yeah i 'm seeing even sod is on the list, so yep. if you if you yep. laid sod, just hold on to your receipt like
3: this exactly. is awesome yep. yeah, you can definitely use that for all so and another, another little announcement I wanted to just talk about too is that in for Saskatoon residents uh, today, I was just looking looking that up August the eighth. From 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. is the, is the ha- household hazardous waste drop-off over at the Civic Operations Center on Valley Road over by the landfill. And so that's all your different aerosols, automotive fluids, automotive fluids, batteries, cleaners, like you got some old cleaners underneath the sink that you want to get rid of, uh, cylinders, light bulbs, medications, yard chemicals. So you got some old chemicals you want to get rid of. All those kind of things you can bring uh, to, to the uh, household hazardous waste and uh, they'll dispose of them properly there. So that's today from 9 a.m. till 3.30. And it's only for Saskatoon residents. You have to be able to you know, prove that you're a Saskatoon resident to be able to drop those things off there.
1: There you go. So Saskatoon residents, there's your day. Yep. Load up your, your vehicle, go drop everything off, and then while you're in your car, look through your glove box for all of the receipts yep. for things that you've bought for the garden and yard.
3: <laughs> and, and the other communities too. I know Regina has one in September again, and uh, other communities have them as well so just check your local civic uh website and they'll they'll usually have something that you sometime of the year that you can drop off things like that as well
1: perfect all right we're gonna head to the phones now we've got pete on the line in estevan hi pete hi how are you today doing good thanks what's your question for rick
2: um first of all love your show listen every weekend Uh, thank you Rick, I planted uh, some nine bark shrubs around my deck on both the north and south side of my house. Um, I've been watering them, but through this heat, the leaves have gotten really dry and crispy. But the stalks and branches, I water, when I water, I continue to water them. And the the stalks and branches have stayed green. Will they come back next year or do I remove them?
3: No, they, they'll a lot of times they'll come back. What you can do is that if they're really crispy at the top, just give them a little bit of trimming right now. You know, Uh if if half of them are crispy at the top, cut the plant back in half, okay, or a third, or twenty five percent, whatever. That'll just help reduce the area where the plant can actually push out new growth, and then give them a put put the put the hose on them and just let it dribble and give them a deep soak, okay, so that they got not moisture just from the surface. And they got to, the, the lower roots have water that they, moisture that they can, they can, you know, grab that reservoir of moisture from deeper down, uh, for, for a longer period of time. So it'll just help the plant get through some of these dry times, okay? But if you're just watering a little bit of time or watering just with your lawn sprinklers, uh, it just won't be enough to sustain a nine bark. There's just so many leaves and the leaves are such a big surface area that they will tend to dry out in a dry year like that.
2: Okay. Well, Ross root feeder work
3: on that. Oh, Ross root feeder. That's perfect because it'll you you stick it right into the root ball. How long ago did you plant these?
4: Just this spring.
3: Okay. Yeah. Then that that stick it right into the root ball and rehydrate that root ball right up. Okay. And that that's huge.
2: Okay. Thank you very much.
1: Awesome. Thanks for the call, Pete. All right. We've got Carol in Regina. Hi,
0: Carol. Hi what's your question hi my question is my front yard all the the grass is good except in this one circle of one area and it looks like it's dying from underneath now it has fertilizer it has water it has everything i can possibly give it but it looks terrible it makes it looks really horrible what do you suggest
3: the one thing you need to watch for is there's two things. One is the is sod webworm, okay, which the you'll see the moss the, when you're flying in the grass. You'll see the moss, especially at the outer edge where the green and the brown sort of come together. So watch for those. Okay. That That's being an issue right now. Another one is called brown patch. It's a fungal disease. And so then you have to watch for that, and you may have to spray that with a copper sulfate. If it's a brown patch, So what you may want to do is just, you know, check for the grubs first of all, and 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 if you have if you have the sod webworms, so dig a little patch up at the edge and see if you got the grubs in the soil first. Try that first, and if not, just bring us take some pictures, or bring a sample of the grass in, or both. Actually, be good into the gar into a garden center, and a lot of the experts there can basically tell you whether you have a fungal or not.
0: I did that, and they said use. Some clay buster,
3: yeah. Clay buster that. means that, yeah. If you have clay buster, then that what that is, then it's just uh, not very good topsoil in that area, okay. So you'll find so, that it's it,
0: then that's what they're trying of, to do there. I was thinking of getting taking it out and putting new sod in.
3: Yeah, if if it's if it's, you got no topsoil underneath, and you can just dig a little chunk of grass out, you're going to check for the sod webworms, anyways. Dig that little chunk out and find out how deep your topsoil is. If you find yeah. there's no like only a half an inch or an inch of topsoil, then you always will have problems with that area, and you may want to dig it out and then put some topsoil in, um, or you can just top dress with some topsoil as well. Cut the grass short, and put a, th- a half an inch of topsoil on top of it, and that yeah. that'll help as well.
0: Okay, thank you very much.
1: Awesome, okay. thanks for the call, Carol. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. You can feel free to give us a call, 1-877-332-8255. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Divendyke. If you've got a question, feel free to give us a call, one 332 8255 We have Keaton on the line right now in Prince Albert. Hi, Keaton.
4: Good morning. I have a question about lily beetles. I have obviously some lilies over on one side of the house, but kind of around the corner underneath the, the covered-in porch, they seem to mainly originate from there. Babies all the way up. I try killing, but they keep seeming to return.
3: Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Uh, the with the lily beetles, you just have to keep on top of looking for the egg masses on the bo- on the backside of leaves, and that's just squishing I, them.
4: I, I've dealt with them on the leaves, and certainly yep. you can see they've been and, and done their damage. But I haven't found on the lilies for probably over a week, and yet I still see the stages of them underneath. So I'm wondering if there's something aggressive that I can keep away from the plants that
0: will help.
3: Yeah, no, um, I mean, some people had success with the nematodes in the soil to get, because they drop down into the soil, the adults, and they pupate down there. And so um, sometimes, and that's where they'll stay for the wintertime and then come back up into the plants for, you know, next spring again. And so sometimes you go after the nematodes and then to go after the, 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 the larva stage of the beetle, uh, but other than that, it's otherwise just keeping on top of them. Spraying it's 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 a it's a tough one. It's a tough beetle to to keep on top of them. They're so aggressive in how they reproduce, and uh, and if you get rid of them, I mean they can just fly over from. They seem to they seem to seek and destroy the lilies because they seem to fly from the neighbor's yard and everywhere else, and they just keep moving in. And so it is a tough one. It is a problem that we've had. Um, but there's no real answer other than just keeping on top of it and uh, trying out the nematodes in the soil.
4: Okay, that's what we'll have to do. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks
1: for the call, Keaton. All right, now we've got Janet on the line in Swift Current. Hi, Janet. Hi. How are you? Doing good, thanks. What's your question?
0: I am wondering, when is the best time to transplant evergreens? Like, I want to move them. Is it better in spring or fall or does it matter?
3: if you're talking about spruce trees and that, um, you can move them in in basically after they set their terminal buds, which is pretty close about now. So I like about the third week in August I move spruce trees, uh, and then. But what you want to make sure right now is that you 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 put some moisture there because I don't. If the soil is really 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 dry, they don't move very well. Okay, and oh, okay. so. That'll be the key. Is right now is that if you're going to move them by the third week of of August here, and in the, in the month of September, you want to make sure that soil is moist before you move them. Okay, not wet, just moist. Okay, and okay. and then also otherwise you can move them again in April, any time in April. The month of April is the best time. Is as soon as the frosts out of the ground, then you move them then as well. That worked really well. But I do have success moving them in the fall. You have what? I do have good success moving in the fall.
0: Okay. So like you're you to water them where they're standing right now really good and then move them after they're yep. really good?
3: Yeah, okay. exactly. Well, thanks. Okay. Perfect.
1: Thanks so much for the call, Janet. All right. You can feel free to give us a call, one eight seven seven i have got to share with you guys my favorite text, possibly of all time, that we got in. The uh, They said that they... Couldn't listen, so we texted them back. They won't know that I'm teasing them on the air. We got a text from someone who put in an artificial lawn and couldn't figure out why their tree isn't doing well. They haven't watered their lawn at all, and they haven't watered the trees. So just a reminder, if you put in an artificial lawn, you do still need to water your trees and plants, right, Rick?
3: Yeah, and and sometimes the way you can do that one is because when you put an artificial lawn in, and because the way you, you, f- you finish the base underneath the sand and everything else, you you can 't get into it, so you might have to actually in, insert a little hole into your your um, into your into your artificial turf and stick a root feeder in to water you know deep water the plants it 's very important because those with this kind of heat right now. Those those plants will just uh, just won't be able to survive without having that moisture, and then someplace also. One thing I like about the Ross root feeder you put it into the ground, you can actually you can actually put a fertilizer pellet into it too. Not this time of the year anymore, but in the spring, and the summer, and you actually can water with the fertilizer through those little holes as well, through the artificial turf. And uh, so very, very important, yes.
1: Yeah, well, and it's so funny because really it's something you don't think about. For our, for nope. us, we have our front flower bed that just gets watered with the sprinklers. So when the lawn yep. is dry, the front flower bed gets watered too. So I guess well, if, you're, if you're putting in the artificial lawn, you've got to consider, oh, I better water everything else well, regularly.
3: Well, on, on years where you normally would have a lot of normal rainfall, there's water that there, percolate through and still give it moisture, but in years like this, absolutely. Your lawn will look nice and green from being artificial, but that poor tree is going to need some water.
1: Definitely. Okay, we've got a text here from Brenda from Young. I have a very healthy goji berry shrub on the south side of the house that's been sending runners all over my flower patch. Is there a cure for these runners without harming the mother shrub?
3: Yeah, the best thing to do is actually put a... To dig a, dig a trench out as wide as you can around the plant and then, uh, put a, put an edging in. So what I like doing is if you dig a trench, put a landscape fabric, you know, about at least, at least six to 12 inches deep. And then you, what you do is you put that down into this, into the soil and then vertically up and down so that the runners can't get through to the other areas. And you just keep them nice, tight, right close to the plant. So the plant can expand, you'll get more berries, but it won't expand beyond that landscape fabric. Uh, what you can do too is if you have another plant that you, you can also, if it's a new planting, you can buy a, a big, you can, or you can get a hold of a big nursery pot, you know, like a, like a, like a 15 gallon or a 20 gallon nursery pot. You cut the bottom of it out and you plant that whole put the nursery pot into the ground and then have that little lip sticking above the ground just a little bit and fill a full of topsoil and plant your goji berry or it might be another plant like ribbon grass or 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 all your other kind of plants that uh, that are aggressive suckering and then that'll contain it as well
1: Perfect. Okay, here's a text from Tom from Duck Lake. What's the best method for top dressing a lawn? And do you recommend aerating first? We live at a lake with dirty sand soil.
3: Yeah, aerating is good, especially if you've got high traffic. Just to loosen up that soil 1st it'd be really good. Uh, cutting your grass down fairly low and then putting a layer of soil. Uh, I don't like going half an inch to an inch at a time. And then what you'll happen is you give it a water and the grass will actually grow up through it. If you go and throw two inches of soil on top of it, uh, then you'll have to seed over top because the grass will take just too long and you actually will kill some of the grass underneath. So you can do, or you can do both. You can put it a half an inch to an inch of soil at a time and then just lightly put a seed over top and rake that into that soil, and you'll have both the grass will grow. Old grass will grow from underneath, and the new grass will fill in as well, and you'll have a great great lawn again.
1: Oh, yeah, it's like two lawns in one, two for the price of one. Yep. Okay, awesome. And then another text here from Ernie in Saskatoon. Should a person trim the runners off of strawberries and cucumbers? They're starting to get quite long.
3: Yeah, you can. If you want to control them, just uh, just so that the energy stays in the other one or if they're getting out of control and your patch is getting too big, actually just trim the runners off. Not a problem at all.
1: Perfect. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to finish up answering your questions. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Divenyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning, I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van I Hope you're having a great Sunday so far. So Rick, throughout the morning we've got quite a few texts just asking about webs in trees. And as soon as yeah. I as soon as I mentioned people were complaining about webs, you knew exactly what was going on.
3: Yeah, we're all used to that tent caterpillar. We get every once in a while. We get cycles, you know, like five or six year cycles of the tent caterpillar in the spring. They go after choke cherries mostly, and those kind of things. But right now, we have a, a, a cycle going through which is hitting its height of a summer web webworm or t- another tent caterpillar. And so, but they're not just going after choke cherries, they're going after apple trees, linden, maple trees. So you're seeing this web in, in there and in the tree. So if it's just a, one small web, you know, um this time of the year I'm not that concerned about them. But if you are concerned about them, if they're starting to get multiple multiple nests in a tree, then you can spray with a product called BTK, Bob Tom Ken. It's a biological, it's safe for it's only basically going after caterpillars it doesn't affect bees aphids or anything else doesn't affect any other bugs Except for except for a caterpillar, so you can spray it with that, or you can just hit them with ambush as well, and that's one will um, that will take care of them right away. Just spray the nest, or you can get the nest if it's reachable. You can actually just put some gloves on and do the old squishy thing.
0: Oh God!
3: <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but so that's easy to do. Or he, or if you got lots of branches, anyway, you can just trim that one little branch out, and then destroy that whole branch that has that nest on it. Uh, best to do it in the morning. Or something like that, when they're all congregated in the nest, not spread out eating the leaves of the tree, and so. And the other one I'm getting lots on is uh, is apple maggots. People are calling in saying they're having those brown little holes in the, in the mag in in the apples. And also, when they open them up, they got these brown lines through the apples, and those are apple maggots. If if you have those, one thing that's important to do is that you, the way you get rid of those is you got to spray them early in the season, like earlier in the season, like about in July, uh, because that's when the flies come out of the ground and lay their eggs. Uh, or otherwise, you have to actually also put lures up, which is basically a fake apple with with tanglefoot. Huh. It's a sticky substance on them, and then you basically fake the fly out, and it gets stuck on the on the tanglefoot on the fake apple. And so you can do that. Um, but otherwise, if you do have them now. Uh, Pick the apples off the tree. Um, if you want, you can still use the apples. It's all protein, right? Yeah. Brittany, it's yep, no there problem. Go. You can apple
1: pie with a, with a <laughs> little bit of, apple
3: pie with a little bit of, little <laughs> of negative. It's all protein. It's all good. Okay. So, uh, you can still use them if you want to use them, but I'll, or just cut out the parts that you don't want in the apples. Well, it takes a little more time, but if you, if you're totally grossed out and you just don't want them at all, you gotta pick the apples on the tree. Do not leave them on the tree because once those apples fully ripen or the apple falls and hits the ground, the worm goes out into the ground and then pupates and then a fly comes up next to you. start the cycle all over again. So you have to actually pick the apple. Do not put it in the compost. It has to go in the garbage and out of the yard. It's very, very important.
1: Okay, perfect. And now I'm going to be hesitant if any of my (laughs) neighbours come over with an apple pie for me. Apple (laughs) pie. I wonder, am I the neighbour that you don't like? (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) All right, we're going to head to the phones quickly. We've got Vic on the line in Gravelberg. Hi, Vic.
0: Morning, guys. Uh, Good show again, Rick and uh, Brittany. Thanks. I've got uh, this spring, uh, June, we seeded some uh, evergreens, poplar, and willows, the willows didn't do too good, but I uh, wondering when we should stop fertilizing and watering them. The evergreens, okay. uh, they're, they're supposed to go into dormancy soon, aren't they?
3: Yeah, I don't want to be fertilizing those plants anymore at all this year. Uh, you want them to start shutting down, it's important. Watering, I would suggest with this kind of heat... You want to keep watering them until at least a September long weekend, which is another three weeks away yet. Okay. And then after that, slow down the watering, just enough to keep them alive, okay, because we still could have a, some pretty heat, warm weather in September. So just enough to keep them alive but not get I don't want them to grow, okay? I want them to basically keep them alive. Okay. And then so slow down the watering in September and then once we get to just before we get the ground starting to freeze at the end of October, in middle to the end of October, then you can give them one last good drink.
0: Just freeze them in, they say, isn't it? Just freeze them in at end of October. Uh, yep. Once, once well, frost around okay. Yep. For for all the three trees I mentioned, too.
3: Exactly, all three of them.
0: Okay, good. So I was going to say the potatoes, the leaves are dried out on them. Uh, a lot of them, they're crispy, and uh, there's a lot of green yet, but no blossoms.
3: <laughs> yep. Uh, and there's, there's been a lot of people saying this year they haven't got the blossoms, but they're still getting the potatoes. Uh, okay. So, um, so you know, that, that's just the, the dry year we've been having this year. And uh, so it's just the, the way it is. And uh, so just remember, even those potatoes, they still need some moisture right now as well. Uh, if if they're totally dried up, you don't need to add too much moisture. And uh, But if they're still green leaves, you can still add some moisture because you can still produce some potatoes yet. And a
0: little uh, phosphorus fertilizer yet, maybe too.
3: Yep, they love phosphorus fertilizer.
0: And, and corn, phosphorus, and water too.
3: Yeah, well, moisture... Uh, potatoes are, are hungry plants, and they also love the, love the moisture. So that's with this kind of heat, you got to make sure that you're getting the moisture to them, but not don't overwater. You don't want them wet, wet. Okay, that's that's what you don't do. Do not want.
0: It gets off same for corn, maybe too, Rick.
3: Yep, uh, corn same thing. So all All those vet all those vegetables uh, get them to finish off right now. Uh, they need moisture to put to finish off the heads on the corn and, and all the moisture, all even the tomatoes, uh, uh, potatoes, all the cucumbers, um, muskmelons, melons. They all need moisture this time of the year to finish off.
0: And a little a little bit of fertilizer, maybe.
3: Yep, a little, the vegetables is fine. The fertilizer you add in those, but don't use a high nitrogen, low nitrogen, potassium and phosphorus is what they need.
0: But thanks very much.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much, Vic. Have a great day. All right. We've got Corey on the line quickly in Saskatoon. Hi, Corey.
0: Hello. What's your question? Um, I have 10-year-old Swedish aspens. Maybe they're towering aspens. And they now have the poplar borer beetle, I believe. Yep. And I used to spray them with carburel, I believe it's called. Yep. Um, I haven't done that for two years. Is it too late now, now that the beetle has obviously infected them?
3: Yeah, the only thing you can do if you want to try is that you can get what's called Dr. Doom. It's a super concentrate. and It comes in an aerosol can, and it has one of those little red tubes on them, like you see on the WD-40 can, you know? And you can spray find the holes, and you can spray them right into the holes and do that multiple times. That's about the only way you're going to be able to get them inside now. Okay, is by just by putting that, putting that high, that concentrate. It comes, it comes in a brown can. It's actually an agricultural one. And, um, they use it in a lot of dairy barns and all that kind of stuff. So, but it has that little red tube and you got to, you have to actually spray it into the holes. Okay.
0: Okay. Dr. Doom, is that available locally?
3: Yeah, you should be able to get it. Most, a lot of garden centers, not, not all of them have the super concentrate, but they have the, they have one form of them, not. Okay.
2: Excellent. Okay. Awesome. Thanks
3: okay.
1: Thanks so much Thanks. for the call, Corey. All right, that's all we have time for today. This one flew by, Rick.
3: Yeah, that's it. Goes so quick. Two hours, bang, gone. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. All right. It's been fun. It always is. I'm Brittany yep. Cafe here with Rick Van Duyvendijk. Thanks for listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.